like we have some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. You just can't help but smile, can you? I mean, when you hear that song, it just uh, conjures up this image, doesn't it, of this uh, uh, Jamaican man who is uh, carefree, no stress in his life. He's the image of a, a no-concerns wife, no bills to pay, no children to taxi from event to event, uh, no medical problems to battle, uh, no problems to solve, no worries, man, just be happy. If only it were that simple, right? Our lives are filled with worry. And uh, as a side note, one of you maybe should be worried because out in this parking lot, someone tells me there, seriously, is a uh, tan Saturn four-door, your motor is running. Well, I'll put our heads down now as we watch so that we don't watch you go to do that, okay? But... No, actually, I am watching. No, I'm just kidding. Well, uh, so we all, we all struggle with worry, don't we? Uh, in fact, somebody has said that uh, worry is like a um, hyperactive dog in a fenced yard. And it just keeps running circles around the perimeter of your brain, beating until it beats down a path and nothing healthy can grow there. And it's true. We, we worry about what if I lose my job? What if I don't get married? What if we can't pay all the bills? And it just runs endless circles around our lives, doesn't it? But Jesus said that He doesn't want His followers to be consumed by worry. He doesn't want us to be so consumed by worry that it steals away our trust in Him. And so in the Sermon on the Mount that we've been looking at, He addresses this affliction that so many of us, probably all of us, battle with at times in our lives. And uh, again today, He helps us to see that He wants us to live a life that is different. And He helps us to see what it looks like for somebody who really wants to, to follow Jesus. And I'm guessing today that for a lot of us, this is a net in our lives that we need to drop, the net of worry, if our lives are really going to look like Jesus. You remember when we started this series, if you haven't been with us, we noticed as Jesus called many of His followers, including Peter and Andrew, He said to them, I want you to to drop your nets and then come and follow. And what Jesus was saying to them was there's some stuff that you've got to leave behind, some stuff in your life that you've got to get rid of if you're really going to follow Me. And so I'm pretty confident today that for a lot of us, this whole issue of worry, it's a net that needs to be dropped so that we can really follow Jesus, so that our lives can really look exactly like Jesus wants them to look like. We've uh, Throughout this series, we're in the, the book of Matthew. And so if you brought your Bible today, I hope you'll uh, take it out and open it up. We're in Matthew chapter 6. So we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and it's just a, a section of the Bible that people often call the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus taught these lessons from the side of a mountain. He uh, was telling some of His guys that He had just called to follow Him what it looks like to follow Him and how their lives ought to be different. And there's a whole crowd of people that sort of gather around and listen in. And so we've, we've been listening in to some of these very practical lessons or practical applications uh, for our lives. 
We're ready for uh, Matthew chapter 6 today. And again, I hope you'll open up your Bible and follow along, take some notes about what we're talking about so that you can go home and to think about it this week and how you can apply it. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, there's an important word there that we need to notice before we go any further, and it is simply that first word, therefore. Because it links us back to what Jesus was previously talking about. And just before he talks about worry, Jesus talks about how we shouldn't place too much value on our material possessions. How we, our lives can't be controlled by both God and money. Now, why do you think he does that? Why does Jesus move from the, the topic of material possessions to the topic of worry? I don't think it's accidental. I think Jesus understood the correlation and knew there would be a correlation in our lives that the, the more we tended to accumulate, the, the more stuff that we have, the more we tend to worry. And then for all of us who live in an American culture that celebrates possessions, that celebrates having more stuff, we also find ourselves living in a culture that struggles in big ways with worry, don't we? And so Jesus goes on to clearly tell us some things about this worry that we struggle with. Again, He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Pretty clear, isn't he? Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Now, just in case that's not clear enough for us, later in the Bible, in the book of Philippians, we read this in Philippians 4, 6. Do not worry about anything. Anything. But instead, pray about everything. It's pretty clear. But maybe like me, you are tempted to say, well, that's great. That's great. But how do I stop worrying? I worry about stuff all the time. How do I get this out of me? Well, I think Jesus here offers first some reasons not to worry. And then secondly, He sort of gives us some insights that can move us towards getting rid of worry in our lives from stopping worry, from running endless circles around our lives. So let's look first at some reasons that He gives not to worry. He begins by saying, worry is me Centered. Worry is me centered. Now here's why. Look at verse 26 again. He says, Look at the birds of the air. 
They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? The birds have it right. The birds get it. Do you notice what he says? He says the birds aren't consumed by accumulating or storing away or trying to take care of themselves. The birds have it figured out. They realize they are completely dependent on God. And so they trust Him. But in our lives, we get that backwards, don't we? We think that it's all dependent on me. What I'm able to do. See, at the end of the day, my worries are all about me. And they take God right out of the equation. When I worry, I indicate that I don't think God is big enough or powerful enough or loving enough to take care of the needs in my life. When I uh, was right out of college, I uh, uh, took a ministry position with uh, First Christian Church in Fort Myers. This is quite a few years ago now, in fact, almost 25 years ago. And um, I started out as a youth minister there, and there were just a few of us on staff, and uh, the senior minister at that time was John Pierce. And John Pierce was like the worst driver I have ever been in the car with. It was frightening to get in the car with him. There were four or five guys on staff at the time, and it wasn't unusual for us around lunchtime to say, hey, let's all go to lunch together. And, uh, but we had a system that we tried to work to make sure that whenever we went to lunch, we didn't let John drive. He was the boss, however. And uh, there were times that he insisted that he would drive. So the next battle was who had to sit in the death seat next to him in the, in the front seat. And being the youngest guy on staff, yeah, it was me most of the time. And so you get in the car, everybody put their seatbelts on, and you just held on for dear life. I mean, the guy would look more at you as he was driving than he looked at the road, and he didn't care if there were cars anywhere else, he just went. And uh, it was a life-threatening experience. <laughs> Every time to get in the car, I didn't trust him. I didn't trust him that I would get back from lunch in one piece, that I'd be alive. <laughs> I didn't trust him because he wasn't paying attention. When I worry, I am saying to God as the driver of my life, I don't trust you. I don't think you're really paying attention to what's going on in my life. I don't think it's safe letting you be in control. It takes God out of the equation and puts all of the focus on me. Jesus also says that we probably shouldn't worry because worry accomplishes nothing. Listen to verse 27. He says, Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I wish I could actually hear Jesus say those words because I wonder if there isn't a great deal of sarcasm in His voice as He says that to His crowd that day. You know, it's almost like, come on guys, really. Can any of you make your life longer? Can you make your life better? By worrying? Worrying is useless. It accomplishes nothing. I read some statistics. 40% of what we worry about doesn't ever happen. You know, It doesn't even ever happen. 30% of what we worry about 
has already happened in the past and we can't change it. Another 10% of what we worry about has to do with health concerns. And studies also show that the more we worry, the worse the health concerns get. Worrying is useless. It doesn't add to our lives. In fact, the, the word for worry that is used here is the idea of to be pulled in different directions. When I was uh, in Bulgaria a couple summers ago, uh, we were there uh, in the, the village in Berkovica, and uh, one day they took us out for a uh, picnic. And uh, out in the countryside, it was really cool to go out there, and they fried some fish, and it was awesome. Uh, after we'd been out there for a while, somebody pulled a big long rope out, and uh, they, they wanted to have a little tug-of-war battle, the Americans against the Bulgarians. Now, when we first lined up, it seemed perfectly fair, okay? And, uh, you know, we did the normal thing where it's kind of back and forth and it was a lot of effort and not a lot was happening. But finally, we Americans began to sort of take control and began to pull in our direction. Well, I guess they have great uh, competitive spirit in Bulgaria like they do here in America because suddenly they began to, to scream in Bulgarian and to make motions. And all of these other people who were just watching as spectators came running to their side and joined in and just wiped us out. You ever been in a, a tug of war match where both sides are very even? Or even have you ever seen where they, they put uh, four ropes kind of on a ring and put four teams on all the sides and it's a four directional kind of tug of war thing? I, I've seen those kinds of things where there is a lot of effort, a lot of energy, a lot of fatigue, a lot of pain, but, but neither team really moves the other one. It's kind of a standoff. And again, there's, there's a lot of energy, a lot of fatigue, a lot of sweat, a lot of pain, but nothing really happens. And when you and I worry, when we're pulled in different directions, there's a lot of energy, a lot of fatigue, a lot of sweat, a lot of pain, but nothing really happens. Somebody has said that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't really go anywhere. I mean, really... Is worrying going to make sure that you have a job? Will worry pay off the loan? Will worry make you pregnant or get you unpregnant? Will worry stop the cancer? Worry accomplishes nothing. One more reason that Jesus says we ought to, we shouldn't worry. He says worry is worldly. It's worldly. Listen to verse 31. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Jesus says when we worry, we're doing exactly what everybody else in the world does. And so here it is again, another time in this section called the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus tells us that in our lives as Christ followers, as somebody who is following Jesus, our lives should look differently from the lives of people who don't follow Jesus. Jesus says when we, when we worry, we say to those around us that my hope, my trust, is not in a loving, caring, heavenly Father. My hope, my trust, is in all the stuff of this world. And we're just like everybody else. Jesus says, as a Christ follower, your trust ought to be in the fact that your Heavenly Father 
cares for you. There were a, a group of guys in a locker room at a fitness center. And they had been working out, so several of them were showering, that kind of stuff. And uh, there was a cell phone laying on the bench, and it began to ring. And there was a guy standing next to it with a, a shampoo bottle in his hand and a brush. And so he really just kind of reached down and pushed the speakerphone and uh, the voice on the and said, Hello. And the voice on the other end said, uh, Honey, are you still at the fitness club? And he said, uh, Sure. She said, Well, honey, I, I'm at the mall, and I just saw this beautiful leather coat for $350. I, I just wanted to call and make sure it would be okay if I bought it. And he said, well, sure, that'd be great. And then she said, well, honey, on the way to the mall, I happened to stop by the Mercedes dealer and looked at some of the the new 2010 models, and one of them is just spectacular. It's only $60,000. Don't you think we could buy it? Now, at this point, everybody else in the room has stopped moving around, and they're listening into the conversation. There's a little bit of tension rising. And so he responds back, well, for that price, it ought to be loaded with all the options, but yeah, you go ahead and buy it. She said, well, honey, before I drove over to the Mercedes dealer, I was driving through that neighborhood that we love and that house that's on the the water. I saw they've dropped the price to $500,000. Don't you think we could buy it? Now, everybody is really paying attention. There is silence in the room. The tension is rising he says, well, I'll tell you what, you make an offer, but don't offer any more than $450,000. She says, oh, honey, that's wonderful. You're the best husband a wife could ever have. You're wonderful. I love you. And he kind of mumbles, I love you too, and hangs up the phone. Everybody in the room is stunned. He picks up the phone and he says, whose phone is this anyway? Somebody, some husband is going to be pretty worried when he finds out. It was a bit of a stretch to make that fit the message. but uh. All right, let's move on and talk about Jesus moves from telling us some reasons not to worry to giving us some steps about how to eliminate worry in our lives. First, he says we, we need to spend more time remembering the past. We need to spend more time remembering the past. Throughout this message that Jesus gives on this day, he keeps reminding people that if God cares for the birds and the flowers and makes sure that their needs are met, isn't God, who loves you even more, going to make sure that your needs are met? Guys, I'm convinced that in all of our lives, there have been instances in the past when we were worried about something and God took care of us. God provided a way out. He provided what we needed. God took care of us. And I want you to remember this morning that God does not care for you any less today. He doesn't love you any less today than He did the last time that He took care of you. We all have those stories out there. I've heard hundreds and thousands of those stories of how God takes care of us. I heard a very fresh story this week from somebody here in our church. And uh, with her permission, I'll tell you this story this morning. Um, Rob and Chris Dennis in our church are uh, foster parents. And uh, this week, they, um, uh, there's a, a young girl that they're uh, trying to get custody of uh, for her sake. And uh, this week, there was a court-ordered visitation with the parents of this little girl. Uh, the father has at times been a little bit violent, has threatened to take the girl, those kinds of things. And so um, at this court-ordered visitation, they're, they're going to do it at McDonald's in a public place. And uh, Chris knew that the social worker would be there and even a police officer, but it's still very troublesome to her. And honestly, she was worried about it. 
worried about what would happen. And, and so she, she did what she should have done. She got on the phone to one of her friends and said, would you, would you pray about this? She knew she needed to turn to God. That friend got on the phone with a couple of other people in her life group and asked them to pray. Those friends, though, not only prayed, I think to Chris's surprise, those friends showed up at McDonald's for that visitation. They just were there to hang out, which totally changed the environment of what was happening. But when the visitation was all over, which went much better than Chris had anticipated, the social worker said to Chris, I've never seen people come and support somebody in a situation like this before. I've just never seen it. To which Chris said, that's my church. That's Crosspoint. And I am so proud to lead a church where that kind of stuff happens. But Chris... Yeah, go ahead, Ed. But Chris did what she should have done. She remembered in her life that God had been faithful to take care of her in the past. And so when she found herself self standing in front of another worrisome situation, she prayed and she asked friends to pray for her because she remembered that God had taken care of her in the past. But sometimes when we stand in front of worry, we sort of seem to get spiritual amnesia and we forget that God has taken care of us in the past. And we act like, well, I don't think He'll do it again. God continues to love us today just as He did in the past. And so the next time you stand in front of worry, you remember how God has cared for you in the past. Next, Jesus says we need to focus on the eternal, not the temporary. He says it this way in verse 33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says you need to focus on the eternal, not the temporary. Now, our tendency is to focus on what's right in front of us. We think that it is all about food and possessions and stuff. Jesus says that stuff pales in comparison to the righteousness of God, to God's kingdom, and to eternal life. Have you ever gotten out of the car with a, a stack of papers on a windy day? And you're not holding on to them very tightly and a couple of those papers begin to, to blow across the parking lot and you think to yourself very quickly, one of those is really important. And so you go chasing the piece of paper across the parking lot and you know what happens. It happens to all of us, right? We, we just about get up to where we're ready to grab that piece of paper and another, piece, another wind blows again and it goes across the parking lot and pretty soon we start to look around to see who's watching us as we're chasing this piece of paper across the parking lot. You know, and eventually maybe we, we catch up to them. Some of us act as though life, but we are chasing life that way. You know, and we go chasing after all of this stuff, and we just about think we've got a hold of life, and the wind blows again, and we find ourselves facing worry. Jesus says, quit focusing that it's not about chasing the piece of paper. It's about remembering that what's most important is following Him and putting our hope in what lasts for eternity. Focus not on the temporary chasing the piece of paper. Focus on the eternal, on God. Then Jesus says, live one day at a time. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, John Stott says that uh, all worry is about tomorrow. 
but all worry is experienced today. And we have a tendency, don't we, to let the worries of tomorrow rob us of the joys and blessings of today. Jesus said, you just focus on today. Tomorrow will have enough troubles of its own. Just focus on today. Don't let tomorrow's worries rob you of today's joy. Don't be so focused on what's going to happen tomorrow that you miss what God wants to do in your life today. Then here's the last thing. But this really is the bottom line. I know some of you knew we were going to talk about worry today and you came here hoping that I'd give you two or three really simple steps and it would just erase worry from your life, didn't you? And I wish I could. But here's the bottom line of what Jesus teaches. Jesus says if we're going to eliminate worry, if we're going to handle worry in our lives, then it all begins by learning to trust your Heavenly Father. Do you notice throughout this section of Scripture how Jesus refers to God? He refers to Him over and over again as your Heavenly Father. And that image of Jesus, or of God as our Heavenly Father, that puts us in the role of being a child of God. Now, now let me ask you. Any child who's in a healthy family, do you find children that are prone to worry about things? They don't, do they? Because they just trust that their parents are going to take care of things. I mean, I've never heard a young child in a healthy family say, boy, I just don't know how we're going to pay the mortgage this They don't worry about it, do they? Because they trust that their parents will take care of it. Friends, if we're going to eliminate worry in our lives, then it's all about learning to trust the Heavenly Father. To know that He loves us and He cares about us. And all the things that really matter, He's going to take care of. The Bible says it really plainly in 1 Peter chapter 5. Give all of your worries and cares to God, for He cares about what happens to you. He does. But you've got to start trusting Him. You've got to start trusting Him more than you're concerned about stuff that you can't control. You've got to trust the Father.